Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Scaldi, a slang word with roots in the Irish language that has different meanings depending on the context. The Scaldi head on him. That was a fierce Scaldi night. That's a Scaldi old kip. Or also meaning a high temperature of a liquid or object. That's bleeding Scaldi hot. Today I want to investigate the word, or the feeling as it is, and its connections to the pub. Welcome to Publin, a podcast about the culture, history and heritage of pubs at home and abroad. Today's episode is, I suppose, mostly about folklore, stories about Ireland's past that are more mythic and magic than any real historical truths. Just as folklore stories aren't prim and proper tellings of history, so too is slang not included in any dictionary, used by newsreaders, or regarded with any formal respect. Which leads me on to our word for the day. Scaldi. Scaldi is used today in modern urban parlance to denote something a bit dirty, a bit wrong, but also right in a certain sense, that was a scaldy old night, is a sentence that could convey to the listener that things got a bit messy, that it was unplanned and unregulated by convention somehow. But it was good. It was letting yourself off the leash a bit and defying the norm somewhat. So what does this have to do with pubs? Well, some nights in pubs are scaldy, and some pubs themselves, by their nature, are scaldy. But today I'm more concerned with two stories in particular that give meaning to the word, though they represent two different definitions of it, and yet ultimately align together at the end. That's all a bit cryptic and navel-gazy, so let's get down to the real meat of the issue and introduce something concrete to talk about. First up is a drink that seems to have been mostly forgotten about, save for in cookbooks of old and on American websites that seek out and celebrate forms of Irishness from their ancestors. I'm talking about a drink that you've probably never heard of. It's called Skaltin, S-C-A-I-L-T-I-F-A-D-A-N in the Irish, or 
S-C-A-L-T-E-E-N in the English. It's a drink that uses some of Ireland's greatest natural food resources and could rival Bailey's as a sweet drink or savoury, depending on your taste, for the export market. The key ingredients for scaltine are whiskey and butter. I'll take you through a basic scaltine recipe that I found online. Add butter to a pan, about 25 grams, melt it down, add a measure of whiskey, some brown sugar, water and pepper. Get it nice and warm, but don't boil it. So you might ask, what's it like to taste, do you reckon? Well, I've made it, so I can tell you. We'll now go live to the Publin Test Kitchen. So you're very welcome to this Scaltine cook-along in my own kitchen. What you might be able to hear in the background is the sound of boiling, bubbling water. I'm doing this in kind of a bain-marie style, which is uh, where you get a pot of boiling water. And on top of that, you place a glass bowl so you can kind of control the heat so you don't scorch whatever you're cooking. So the reason I'm doing that is because the first thing that I'm adding into the Scaltine is butter and I have to get it melted first. So I've melted that down, that's 25 grams of butter, and what's going in next is three tablespoons of brown sugar. I'm going to get the wooden spoon for auditory reasons, and because it feels a bit more authentic, oh my god, that's quite the buttery sugary mix. The amount of whiskey that's going in is 60 milliliters, and I think the average uh, shot measure is 40 milliliters. This would really be a bit of a heart stopper of a drink. Now, next up in the recipe is 100 milliliters of water. Now, yeah, that's a bit lighter. I suppose the color is fairly yellowish, as you can imagine, given that there's a load of butter in there. Um, but kind of a dark yellow, because the, uh, the whiskey has kind of changed its tone a bit. So apparently the thing is with this that it was meant to be served scalding hot, as you might have imagined. So... I will be doing a taste test now, but the real drinking of it will be done tomorrow. Tomorrow morning, to be quite honest. Yeah, just a wee bit. Mmm, smells lovely. Okay, down the hatch. That is beautiful. That is absolutely beautiful. I think the last time I made this, I neglected to put enough sugar in it, but the sugar has kind of just taken the bite out of the whiskey, but you still get the smell of it, still get the flavour of it. I think that's smashing. Last time I drank it, I only had a very small bit, but uh, I felt like it put me in an instantly good mood. I don't know whether that's the goodness of the butter from the cows of Ireland or the goodness of the whiskey, but it just made me feel instantly good. So cheers to having that feeling once more. The origins of the name seem to be Irish and reference a little scald or a little heat. The phrase is still somewhat in use today, where you might invite someone in for a drop of scald, though it's not a direct reference to serving the drink. The drink, in that and other forms, was considered to be so rich that it was served as a course of its own, usually as a starter. The recipe that I've given you was on the lighter end of things. Others had their own recipes that had more whiskey, a lot more whiskey, and a few other ingredients. Malachy Horan was a farmer in the Talla Jobstown area of Dublin, born in 1847 and died in 1946. When he lived in that area, it was mostly rural, used for farming and more sparsely populated than it is today. He recalls having a scaltine in one of the pubs local to him and remembers it as a popular drop. This account was published in 1943. 
They always had Skeltine ready at the Jobstown Inn. Men, in weather like this, out from morning till night without a bit, would be coming in with the mark of the mountain on them. Skeltine would make a corpse walk. It would put the life back in them, but make them drunk too. It was taken red hot. They made it from half a pint of whiskey, half a pound of butter, and six eggs. You should try it sometime, but when you have it down, go to bed while you're still able. So it appears that this drink was not just for making at home, but was also brewed up in certain pubs and alehouses. The drink is also referenced in the 1910 book English as we speak it in Ireland by Patrick Weston Joyce. In the old mail car days, there was an inn on the road from Killarney to Mallow, famous for Skullsheen, where a big pot of it was always kept ready for travellers. Sometimes the word Skaltine was applied to unmixed whiskey, burned, and used for the same purpose. From the Irish skull, burn, singe, scald. I wonder can anyone hazard a guess at what pub this might be and whether it's still there today. Another recipe that we came across comes from the book Words We Don't Use Much Anymore by Dermud O'Muraha. The recipe was sent to him by a man who drinks in the Tipperary Hurling pub, Mary Willies. Add half a bottle of whiskey, two whisked eggs, a lump of butter, to a pint and a half of strained beef broth, to which salt and black pepper has been added. So we've gone from a measure, to a half pint, to a half bottle. So I don't think there's any agreed upon recipe here. We're straying closer and closer to it traditionally having been a lot more savoury, but I can confirm that it tastes well after a few spoons of sugar have been put in it. The same book claims that the drink was so detrimental to a drinker's health that famous teetotaler and temperance leader Father Matthew denounced the drink as a scourge. An interesting detail is it was also denounced by his follower McNamara Downs from County Clare, who was a temperance poet who formed the successful Irish Water Drinkers Association. I think I know whose side I'm on in this battle. A police report from Dublin from 1839 related the story of a Matthew Flood on Off Lane who was charged with selling alcohol after hours and in an unlicensed premises. An inspector entered after midnight and witnessed a parcel of women whom he believed to be improper persons drinking scaltine and eating pig's feet. The horror. There was also a popular racehorse in the 1840s who bore the name Skaltine, another association with impropriety, this time the world of gambling. So that's the background context and the factual side to the drink Skaltine. Now we move on to its more famous associations and the more mythic part of the story. Most Dubliners who know a little bit of its history will be familiar with the story of the Hellfire Club. The club consisted of a group of wealthy individuals as a general drinking club that has entered Dublin folklore for its reputation for being a debauched association that dealt in the occult and darker elements of religion. Fact and fiction mix wonderfully in the stories of the Hellfire Club, who initially met in a pub called the Eagle Tavern on Cork Hill near Dublin Castle. The club also used a hunting lodge located on the top of Montpellier Hill in the Dublin Mountains. The lodge was built in 1725 by William Connolly. Whether the club actually used this hilltop location for their activities or not is open to dispute, but the stories that circulate around it are what makes the location interesting. There's the one about the devil-like hoofed man who played cards at the location, or how the group killed and devoured a local farmer's daughter. The group is also believed to have been fond of drinking scaltine in copious amounts. I suppose if the drink is denounced by priests for its corrupting influence, then the most morally corrupt group in Ireland must surely have imbibed on its fatty goodness. The club disbanded in or around 1800, but here's an account from about 50 years later, claiming to reference an apprentice of the club's scaltine maker who had stories of the Hellfire Club's activities. 
In Ireland, before the days of Father Matthew, there used to be a favourite beverage termed scaltine, made by brewing whiskey and butter together. Few could concoct it properly, for if the whiskey and butter were burned too much or too little, the compound had a harsh or burnt taste, very disagreeable, and totally different from the soft, creamy flavour required. Such being the case, a good scaltine maker was a man of considerable repute and request in the district he inhabited. Early in the present century there lived in a northern Irish town a very respectable tradesman, noted for his abilities in making scaltine. He had learned the art in his youth, he used to say, from an old man who had learned it in his youth from another old man, who had been scaltine maker in ordinary to what we may here term, for propriety's sake, the Hellfire Club in Dublin. With the art thus handed down, there came many traditional stories of the Hellfire Club, which the writer had heard from the noted scaltine maker's lips. How, for instance, they drank burning scaltine, standing in impious bravado before blazing fires till the marrow melted in their wicked bones they fell down dead upon the floor how there was an unaccountable but unmistakable smell of brimstone at their wakes and how the very horses evinced a reluctance to draw the hearses containing their wretched bodies to the grave strange stories too are related of a certain large black cat belonging to the club it was always served first at dinner and a word lightly spoken of it was considered a deadly insult only to be washed out by the blood of the offender this cat however as the story goes led to the ultimate dissolution of the club in a rather singular manner as a rule from their gross personal insults to clergymen no member of the sacred profession would enter the club room but a country curate happening to be in dublin boldly declared that if the hellfire club asked him to dinner he would consider it his duty to go being taken at his word he was invited and went accordingly in spite of a torrent of execrations he said grace and on seeing the cat served first asked the president the reason of such an unusual proceeding the carver dryly replied that he had been taught to respect age and he believed the cat to be the oldest individual in the company the curate said he believed so too for it was not a cat but an imp of darkness for this insult the club determined to put the clergyman to instant death but by earnest entreaty allowed him five minutes to read one prayer apparently to the great disgust of the cat who expressed his indignation by yelling and growling in a terrific manner instead of a prayer however the wily curate read an exorcism which caused the cat to assume its proper form of a fiend and fly off carrying the roof of the clubhouse with it the terrified members then listening to the clergyman's exhortations dissolved the club and the king hearing of the affair rewarded the curate with a bishopric earlier you heard me making up a batch of scaltine so i could actually tell you how it tasted that wasn't for simple home consumption if you're going to do something you might as well do it the whole hog so i set out to bring a dose of piping hot scaltine up to the hellfire club the hard way and to sip upon it within the confines of the hellfire club just as it was intended to be drank Greetings. You join me at the side of a road in deepest South County Dublin. I've gotten off a bus in a place called Rockbrook that I've never been to before. And I've been walking along the sides of roads, uh, ducking into hedges to avoid cars. Here's one on the way now. And I've noticed that people are starting to wave. So you really don't have to get too far out of Dublin for motorists to start waving at you. I've passed by a pub called the furry bog so that would indicate that we're a bit more rural so i've walked for about 20 minutes now since i got off the bus um not met a single other pedestrian and i have another 20 minutes of ascent to go before i get to the hellfire club car park strangely though i can see the smokestacks through a clearing in the road up ahead 
So I guess I'm not that far out of Dublin, but uh, the view is only starting to reveal itself. And I have a hot drink to consume once I get up the top there, so maybe I'll talk to you once I get back up there. So now I've made it all the way to the top of Montpellier Hill after quite a lot of walking. I suppose I've done it the hard way, but that was kind of the intention. Could have driven up here, but I didn't have access to a car and I wanted to have a drink to complete this little ritual. So instead, I did it in a more traditional way. Well, the traditional way would have been to take a horse and carriage or a horse and trap or to ride a horse up. But instead, I took a Lewis, a bus, and then walked for about an hour and 20. But I'm up here at the top now. It's absolutely gorgeous. It's a totally serene day with full panoramic views out over Dublin. I can see far, far off into the distance. But So behind me is the place that I've actually come to see, which is the building colloquially known as the Hellfire Club, where that group of men used to come and visit, raise hell, drink and eat a lot. So I've come here to, to somewhat replicate, not the hell raising, but a little bit of a drink. So I'm going to go inside the Hellfire Club now. Right, in we go. It's a bit spooky. I have a torch, but it's not really casting any light. There's an old crisp packet. I'm expecting to find a few empty cans here as well. I'm up in the upper level of the Hellfire Club now. God, it's so well preserved. I mean, there's mounds of, of soil and stuff in here, but the building itself is still rock solid. There's some windows to let in a bit of light, but even on a bright day like today, they don't let much in. So I'm in what I presume would have been one of the dining rooms or celebratory rooms. There's a fireplace here, and if I duck my head in, oh, I can see just about all the way up. The fireplace curves, so it doesn't let any rain in. Nearly fell. <laughs> but looking out the front here, Oh my, you really do get the full view of Dublin. You can imagine what it was like for the lads having a session up here in pitch darkness. How much of Dublin City would have been lit up by gas, lamps or, or fires then? Not much, I'd imagine. Just the moonlight. So let's do the actual part of the ritual here and have a bit of skeleton. So here's to a drop of hot skeleton up in the Dublin Mountains in the Hellfire Club. Just like they used to. Nice bit of butter and whiskey. Oh, that's delicious. Oh, that's lovely. When was the last time that somebody drank skeleton in this location, looking out over Dublin? Strange to think, might be the first in 200 years or so. So there we have it. I've completed the ritual of having a drink of skeleton in the Hellfire Club. Possibly be the first person to drink that in, I don't know, 150, 200 years. I'll tell you when I get back home when I've got my sources in front of me. Mm, I think the walk home's going to be a little easier now because it's downhill and because I've had a drop of whiskey at 10 in the morning. Now, since I'm here at the top of Dublin looking out over the city and county, let's see if I can pick out Oxmanstown, Stony Batter, Arbor Hill area. I can't. It's all one big smudge. But I'm going to get back on the public transport and get back to Stony Batter Arbor Hill where I'm going to tell you about our next Scaldy character, a fella by the name of Scald Brother. 
Rest assured, ladies and gentlemen, that I am not now in league with those occultists and ne'er-do-wells, and that on the way back to Dublin proper, I stopped at the well of St. Columkill and washed my hands, and therefore, my sins, away. So I've told you now about a drink that's both scaldy for its heat and its reputation for contributing to general drunkenness and immorality. Now let me tell you about a man who was just plain scaldy. He was a thief and a rogue who taunted his victims and hid in a subterranean lair. He was known as Scald Brother. Scald Brother inhabited the area known as Oxmanstown, which still appears in place names around the Stony Batter area. Oxmantown or Ustmanstown from its Viking roots stretched from what is now Smithfield up to Arbor Hill on the north banks of the River Liffey. Scald Brother is described in multiple sources as having lived in the area in the 16th century. He was a thief who preyed upon unsuspecting victims in the area that was a hub of trade and commerce. Supposedly, after robbing from his victims, he would taunt them and make off at great pace, diving into a hole in the ground that was unknown to other people. It became known as Scald Brother's Hole and was apparently only the beginning of a two-mile stretch of rooms and tunnels around the area, with some of them reputedly being tiled with stone. It's unlikely that Skull Brother himself built the maze of underground tunnels and may have discovered something that was created in times before, perhaps as far back as Viking Dublin, as a place to hide oneself in times of attack or to store food and other goods. Some sources suggest that Skull Brother would taunt people in and around a tavern by the name of the Gallows before setting off, chased by the local people who were sick of his antics. Presumably he enjoyed the thrill of the chase as much as the riches he stole, and if there was nobody in chase, he would pop by the local pub to rile up the locals and stir the pot a bit. Another myth suggests that his hole was located close to the gallows that existed on the green in the area that is now Smithfield Square. His speed was described thusly in a 1577 account of the legend of Skull Brother by historian Richard Stadehurst. In the further end of the Osman Town Green, there is a hole, commonly called Skald Brothers Hole, a labyrinth reaching two large miles under the earth. This was, in old time, frequented by a notorious thief named Skald Brother, wherein he would hide all the bag and baggage that he could pilfer. The varlet was so swift on foot, as he has eft soon outrun the swiftest and lustiest young men in all Osman's town mauger, their heads bearing a pot or pan of theirs on his shoulders to his den. And now and then, in derision of such as pursued him, he would take his course under the gallows which standeth very nigh his cave, a fit sign for such an inny. And so, being shrouded within his lodge, he reckoned himself cocksure, none being found at that time so hardy as would venture to entangle himself in so intricate a maze. 1577 is a very contemporary account of the legend of Skull Brother, so it does indeed seem as though he existed. Of interest to us is not just his deeds as a thief, but the fact that this underground network existed in this area of Dublin. Indeed, there have been several accounts of foundations being dug for houses in the area at a much later date, and the digging exposing and then blocking off parts of this tunnel network. In 1860, an article published by the Royal Irish Academy dealt with the series of vaults that belonged to an ancient church. The local tradition leads to the conclusion that these vaults extend to a great distance south to the Liffey and westwards to Thief's Hole near the Park Gate which was opened about 30 years ago when it was examined by the police in consequence of a report that the body of a murdered female had been hid therein. 
A network such as this that connected rooms through tunnels with other rooms without collapsing sounds far-fetched, but there are numerous instances of tunnel dwellings being created around the world. Take, for instance, the Turkish city of Elangubu, which is an ancient city carved 85 metres underground and comprising of 18 tunnel levels. This settlement was first referenced in 370 BC, so there are old examples of such dwellings around the world. Though, Presumably, the proximity of the Skullbrother tunnels to the River Liffey may have made the soil more damp and less structurally sound. Legend has it that the tunnel system existed well after the Skullbrother met his demise and were used in the Smithfield area as cold storage for the breweries who produced beer in the vicinity. The legend of how Skullbrother came to an end, depending on the source, is that his legs and speed eventually let him down. A gang of locals sat in wait for him one day, perhaps outside the gallows pub, and sprung upon him, cutting short any head start that he may have had in the past. The very next day, he was hung atop the gallows that he once ran under in the direction of Skullbrother's Hole and his salvation. Crowds gathered in delight to see the vanquishing of this local menace. Of course, his legend lives on, and lives on to this day. His name pops up in various folklore histories of Dublin, and even gets a mention from James Joyce, who references Skullbrother and his hole twice in his book Finnegan's Wake. Basements and cellars are not that common in Irish houses and dwellings, but in the area of Oxmanstown as it is today, the pubs and bars with their underground coal room are probably the locations closest to the ruins of what was Skullbrother's hole and tunnels. Who knows what lays beyond the keg-room walls of Walsh's, the Cobblestone and Frank Ryan's. One happy coincidence is that a new pub has opened in the vicinity of Smithfield, a place called Fidelity on Queen Street. The pub is owned and operated by the team who make Whiplash Beer, who just so happen to have a drink called Scaldy Porter. So, Scald Brothers and Scald Sisters, next time you're in there, maybe have a pint of Scaldy and raise a toast to the Scald Brother and the subterranean system that might just still exist beneath your feet. Thanks again for listening to the Publin Podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for an episode, you can send them to me, John, via publinie at gmail.com. Or maybe you can let us know how you've gotten on with making Skaltine at home. Subscribe for more episodes on the way, and give us a rating on your podcast app of choice. Thanks again, and sláinte. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.